TV Campfire Podcast. I was like, yep, okay, so you win for the week. <laughs> <laughs> We're here. I hate to sound like a broken road. Oh, no! <laughs> We're fans. It's one of the best things on television. Oh! oh! All right, we got you a hold of Oh, no, you didn't. We talk TV. That was the best scene ever. Like, All that right, blew I'll- me away. It was absolutely amazing. I just couldn't believe it. Welcome to the show. This is podcast number 501, and I'm Libby, your host, and this week we have returning guests. Hi, I'm Tom. I'm professor of communication and media studies at Beach Atlantic University in Florida. Hey, this is Peter. I write for WhySoBlue.com, and I live in Hollywood. Hi, this is you, Sun, and I am calling in from Los Angeles, costume designer and TV enthusiast. All right, let's start off with the news. First thing I have is that Finn Wittrock Lock, has been cast as the new Green Lantern for the new HBO Max series, and I'm kind of underwhelmed. Guy Gardner, there's going to be a there's, there's going to be a bunch of Green Lanterns in that series, so right. He's cast as the obnoxious, but somewhat likable. Well, he looks obnoxious to me, so <laughs> I was just like, blah. Now you got to convince me to watch your show, Green Lantern. Um, the Rock, your Young Rock, and Keenan have been renewed for season two at uh, NBC. Is that surprising? Was anybody? I haven't watched either one of those shows. Well, I watched Young Rock for two episodes and then I bailed. Um, I I watched the pilots of both. I thought Young Rock was a mess, and Keenan was okay, but not fantastic. So, I mean, I, I guess I, they're just really scrambling for content. Yeah. Because this is this is this weird. They're talking about the fall season. It's like, dude, we're still not premiered stuff from last season, this current season yet. Yes, uh, Taka Watiti has been cast to play Blackbeard. And H- what did I say? You said Taka. Taika. Sorry. Uh, for HBO HBO Max pirate comedy called Our Flag Means Death. And he, I'm, I'm picturing him as Blackbeard, and obviously that sounds hilarious to me. Um, I'm so excited about that. Well, he's really funny, so yeah, so that's going to be good. Uh, J.K. <laughs> Simmons, what? Writing it? No, it just says he's been cast. Okay. Um, J.K. Simmons is going to join Sissy Spacek in a sci-fi series called Light Years for Amazon. And I'm like, what kind of show has J.K. Simmons and Sissy Spacex? Like, I know nothing about this show, but I was like, uh, so we're not doing combat, right? So no one's going around shooting each other. <laughs> it so. was going to be Ed O'Neill and Sissy Spacex, but he evidently bailed. Yes, I heard that. But I'm like, I'll take J.K. Simmons over Ed O'Neill. Um, but I'm now curious about what the show's about. Um, and it also shows, like, I really feel that's an upgrade, honestly. But that's just my opinion. All right, that's all the news I have. Tom, go ahead. Okay, Amazon has also renewed Invincible for seasons two and three. Wow, that's cool. Uh, CBS has cast Vanessa Lachey, as in Nick's wife, as the lead in NCIS Hawaii, and has also cast Yasmin Al-Bustami and Jason Antoon in leading roles. Disney Plus has hired Chinaka Hodge as the head writer for Ironheart. Fox has given a series order for the Wait, drama. Wait, back up. Do we know who she is for Ironheart? Is she famous writer? I've never heard of her. Chinaka Hodge, uh, probably. I don't think she's ultra famous, but she's probably an up and coming. I think the key is up and coming woman of color. So uh, okay, because I was like, I don't think I've heard of her before. Okay, go ahead. Uh, Fox. A series order for the dramedy The Big Leap. Their Fantasy Island reboot has cast Rosalind Sanchez as Elena Rourke, who is a descendant of, of uh, Ricardo Montalban's character, and the original series and the 98 reboot are now streaming on Tubi. Uh, Domhnall Gleeson will join Woody Harrelson and Justin Theroux in The White House Plumbers, the Watergate comedy for HBO. Uh, the Brothers Garcia revival has landed a series order at HBO Max. Tony Collette will join Colin Firth in the Michael Peterson limited steer- series, The Staircase. He's the dude who claimed his wife was murdered, and then it turns out that he did it. Of course he did. Oh, is that the one where he said she, like, fell down some stairs or right. something? Oh, okay. And then uh, Sky 
has announced that Josh Hartnett will be the lead of their thriller adaptation, The Fear Index. No U.S. Uh, outlet has been announced yet. Okay, that's interesting. So they gave Josh Hartnett a job. I haven't seen him in a long time. You mean since, uh, oh, that thing with uh, the Victorian thing on... Uh, no, 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 he had a more recent show on Paramount. Penny Dreadful. No, he had a more recent show on Paramount because I worked on it for a week. Yeah, it's it was with, uh, oh, the guy... Uh, it's like Paradise or Paradise Island. It was, it was called Paradise something. But it was on Paramount when Paramount was a network and not Paramount Plus. So it's probably on Paramount Plus now. But he he played like this, this uh, the son the that returns home that everybody is like, why didn't you come home before? And it's some secret, blah, 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 and the family. And, and it's in the South. And there, I was like, there wasn't a monster. There was a boar that, that attacked Paradise people. Lost. Huh? Paradise. Paradise. That's what's like Paradise something, not Island. Yeah. Spectrum original. There you go. It was a what? Oh, Spectrum. It was for Spectrum. Spectrum. Yeah, I worked on that show for a week. It was actually interesting. I really liked it actually. Uh, but anyway, um, let's move on to the shows. First up. Oh no! Wait. You haven't finished the news. I interrupted you. My that bad. Was it. That was it. Okay. Yeah. Well then. Alrighty then. Let's move on with the shows. First up, we're going to talk about The Nevers. And this week's episode was by far the best, I think. It's like each episode has been a little bit better than the previous episode. And this episode, uh, I'm not going to jump into the biggest thing yet, which was amazing. Um, It's basically the fallout of... Now now that we know that the woman in the wheelchair... What is her name? I can't remember. Now that we know that... What'd you say? I call her Adele DeWitt. <laughs> I thought it was La- Lavinia or Lavernia or something like that. Yes. That sounds okay. Well, now that we know that she's kind of the bad guy, watching this episode is like you get to watch her do things, and we know that now her motives are not good. Pure. Pure, yes. And so now we're like, oh, what does this mean? What does this mean? What does this mean? So we're doing a lot of that. But it's a lot, mo- mainly the story is with the Lady True. Or Mrs. True? I'm calling her the Lady True. Amalia True. Yeah. Amalia True. <laughs> but the whole premise is about trying to get the singer uh, to sing the song, and they figuring out a way to amplify it. And Oh, my, uh, yeah. <laughs> oh my God, the singer. The conversation. Y'all know what I'm talking about. Y'all know what I'm talking about. <laughs> wait, what did you say, Tom? The conversation about naming the amplifier. It's oh, amplifier. right. That was pretty funny. That's almost like you're trying to name a superhero. <laughs> it's like, so yeah, so we're calling true. it this. Just like, what does it do? Well, it amplifies. Thank you. <laughs> All right. Who wants to tackle the big the big uh, set pieces? There's really I two will, big moments. Go ahead, you said. I will because I, re- I cannot like the show more. I just cannot like it more. Um, it is, it, you know, uh, I'll talk about the two. I think the two that we're talking about is... Well, talk about uh, one and we'll have somebody else talk about the other. Oh, that's fine. Because you know which one I want to talk about. Go ahead. Um, the, the, um, the fight scene between her and Gigantor walking on water. Jesus. Actually, we I... never found out his name because he never speaks. Why would you give a brute like that the power to walk on water? That just seems kind of sacrilegious. I... I feel well. That was the thing. I was like, "Oh my!" Because I was like, "He's so strong. How's she gonna beat him?" And then I was like, "Wait a minute! Is he also walking on water?" I was like, "What the what?" And I and what I loved is I couldn't figure out how she was gonna defeat him. All right, Yusin, sorry. Go ahead. I was just gonna say. Well, take away what I was gonna say. Um, no, I I, I I'll keep this short because I want to come back around and talk about Amalia True and the reveal about her and the relationship between the Doctor. But um. Uh, no, it was fantastic. And, and exactly when, when he was walking towards her, like ominously, and they were showing the footprints in the water, I, with every step, I was like, how is she going to get out of this? Like, there's no way. way." So even like the steps toward her were like perfectly done because the anticipation for the fight yet to come, I just was like sweating. I was like, and my brain loves to like fast forward. So, and it's not about me guessing how things are going to be done, but clearly it was so out of 
just your mind how how that you know so and what i thought they did was absolutely brilliant and um it was so exciting and yet honestly kind of believable except for the amount of time she had to like hold her breath while she was choking him to death right that was really long i was yeah i was like who's gonna lose their breath fast first yeah. yeah, I mean, again, that that tension was great and everything, but the the actual length of time it took her, I was like, yeah, no, unless she's fish, part fish. And I actually thought that it was so dramatically, illogically long that I thought that perhaps like a belated reveal of like a, a power, because remember, she got it while she was underwater, you know, I thought, oh, she must her 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 touchedness must be like Scott Gills or something. And we're going to see it right now, which would have been fine. I would have totally been okay with that, you know, that, uh, that reveal. Um, but I will speak because I might've been the only one to see this. And it's, it, it, is that I watched, it was so amazing. And I don't normally watch the like post credit, you know, stuff, but they, they knew what they, they, they knew that what they had done and they were very proud of it because the entire episode was how they achieved that. Um, and it was so impressive. You know, sometimes you like, you know, the, they pull back the curtain and you're kind of like, oh, you know, blah, like maybe less impressed. It was even more impressive to hear what they had to do. One of the things I found really interesting is um, as dangerous as that was, clearly had to have been for the lead actor. Um, I, at the end, they didn't super reveal like how much of, of the stunt woman had done it, but she had trained for weeks. They had, had scuba divers, you know, they, the whole thing. And um, when uh, w- the way that she revealed it was they do it once uh, with the stunt woman so that they can make sure they have a usable one in the can, uh, you know, and then they may edit, you know, what this, that, whatever. But she performed all of that, including being upside down, you know, with the chain. Obviously, there were scuba people, safety people underwater. But the fact that she did all of it, and I'm, I feel pretty confident that, like, what we saw was a lot of her. So, anyway, the point is, uh, also, though, like, the choreography was amazing. Her execution, clearly, I've just spoken about that. Um, the fact that she is doing it in boots, crinlin, a corset, a jacket, you know what I mean? Like, and she di- didn't have time to take the jacket off. But it's so impressive. And, and like I said, it, there, it was still uh, rooted in the base of, like, a reality. She doesn't have superpower, super strength. I don't understand how that's not possible, The all the stuff I've seen her do on the show. But to me, the best thing about it was very, and I will end here, it, to me, she it, she is iconic now at this point for me, and that scene is, like, as good as Ripley saying, get away from her, bitch, you know what I mean? <laughs> like, Alien Ripley, like, now it's Amalia True. Like, for me, that, that the thing that made that, clearly there was wire work, you know, clearly it was extra. We need to keep, we need to keep going. We need to keep going. And that's followed by the capper of the episode where we get the singer to sing her siren song and the people start coming to the park and then she gets gunned down. That was so shocking. That was so shocking. Bloody murder. Yeah. Uh, Peter, I know you had, you were, you had, do you want to share your theory or what, like, what do you want to say about that scene? I thought the well wait just first I I did think the fight scene was really terrific. I don't think anybody's not going to think that fight scene was original and compelling. Um yeah, I just thought the I no, I thought it was the best episode also. Um I'm really starting to like care about the characters. Um I also thought you guys haven't mentioned yet. I I like the opening that um is it Bonfire Bonnie? Is that her name? Oh yeah. I like when she, they basically confront her, and every time she's about to do her fireball, um, the Irish girl, because she does her, she basically has made this goop that stops the fireball. Yeah, it's pretty keeps, funny. So she's about to, like, do it, and she does it again. Like, will you stop that? Like, I was like, oh, that's pretty funny. Like, uh, I thought that was, like, a nice, like, nice, like, bout of humor, especially considering how sad the ending was going to be. I did feel bad at the end, absolutely. I liked her. I liked that character. And I especially liked... Oh, I don't like, but I could see how devastating that was going to be for Mundy. Um, I just didn't get... One, it became really apparent to me the moment she's in the park. I was like, wow, she's really not well protected considering she's about to do this thing that is going to call, in theory, it kind of it calls to any of the uh, the touched and everything. I just thought that was, it felt very much like, well, I was like, what's going on here? I was like, and, and Lady True, who I agree, I think she's a great character. I always feel like you always want your heroes to be 
kind of one step ahead. And if a mistake happens, it's not that they weren't considering it. It's just that, you know, something is out of control. With this situation, I was like, is it really a good idea for it to be in a park? Why are you doing this on a rooftop? Well, where you can- my question, uh, I, I mean, I never really thought, like I said, in that scene, she's surrounded by like 15, 20 members of Touch who have powers. So I didn't really think that she was in danger. To take her down. She is, she is except that it fe- unless I'm wrong, it feels like a lot of times when she does her song it sort of puts a lot of them kind of in a trance so when you're saying that it's like sort of it's like a lot of them might not really be except that the guy that that attacks them is also touched so he wasn't in a trance and he has a machine gun yeah and it's so brutal i mean she really gets killed yes Um, which is funny because like when she first gets shot I was thinking of the doctor who earlier in the episode has to heal Maladay. But uh, yeah, I mean, she shot so terribly. I'm like, well, okay. Like, uh, my, yeah, again, I thought, it was a terrific, I thought it was a terrific episode. I guess I just felt like it felt, it felt like an insecure place. That's all. That's well, I mean, she's opinion. not the president, you know, like they're not thinking what does the security <laughs> have to be in this situation. And you have to remember these people aren't used to, protecting someone that is not generally their you know their mo they run an orphanage you know for people and their best way to protect is is like in numbers and so nobody really considered the fact that somebody would have a machine gun and and gun them down so i get i get what you're saying and i again i still really like the episode all right tom go ahead before we move on yeah it was good no you you gotta let me talk about amalia Um, uh, oh true Okay. Yes. Tom, please go. No, please go. I just want to go back around to it. No, everybody said stuff I wanted to say. The uh, I loved her strategy in the fight. Yes. Smart. Yes. She's smart. A lesser, I mean, she's agile, but she's smart because she's processing how can I, you know, she's figuring out what this guy can do and how to get away from him. So... And the thing I love about this actor is I look at her and I see real... St- I can see her think. Right. I, some actors, you look at them and they're like a blank slate. <laughs> All right. Yusin, hurry up. Your thoughts. Yeah, no, but I, I will bounce off of that. Exactly. She's so smart. You know what I mean? And But she's not defeminized in any way. And I love how strong she is. We talked about this, Libby. I, we, we find out that she has a relate, had a past relationship with the doctor, you know? And there was no attempt, even if it was sort of like, not that he was slut-shaming her, but the show absolutely made no apologies for her being such a fully realized character. She was not, she would not be, she was not, she did not allow herself to be slut-shamed. She embraces all her for her faults. She was totally like, you know, I don't like it's your fault. You're the married one. You know what I mean? She's like, I'm down with the sex. I don't have a problem. You're not making me feel guilty about anything. So for me, and then even the fight, like she so smart, she figured out she knows her weaknesses. She knows what she, you know what I mean? Like all of it. So the one thing I just want to finish by saying is I think that the series, we all love like the series and there's so many things to like about it. But the thing I love most about it, it truly, there's that scene where afterwards she's walking to the park, you know, and she's just had this incredibly, I don't want to say masculine, but what we typically think, you know, very physical, a fight, this and that. She ends up coming to the park and she's, you know, scantily clad and all this and that. And her 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 friend says, you know, oh, you know, something about her dress or whatever. And she just as offhandedly like walking away, she goes, oh, no, I love dresses. So it's like they're not desexualizing her. They're not slut shaming her. It's it's such a good representation of a fully realized strong woman who makes no apologies. So, yes, the fight scene was amazing, but even in the off-fight scene, the non-action moments, she is such a good, strong uh, example. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. We, have to, we have to move on. We have I'm to move done. on. I'm done. I think all right. that's so important. Show. Uh, and uh, so we're all giving it thumbs up. Um, yes. Next up, we're going to talk about Bob and Abishola. And this week's episode uh, dealt with – what did this week's episode deal with? It dealt with Abishola taking her MCAT and being really insensitive to her coworkers and just assuming because it dealt with the whole 
perception between African culture and black culture, and she just assumed that the reason that the black nurse didn't go to medical or become a doctor was because she was lazy and she just didn't have it in her to do it and was really rude about it. I was like, dude, isn't she supposed to be your friend? And you can tell in that moment that Abishola was just like absolutely wrong and, and um, was making really crazy assumptions. And I liked how they dealt with the, this, you know, and they dealt with the assumptions and you finally get the explanation at the end. And uh, it, it was pretty much what I was, well, I don't know if I assumed she had gotten all the way through um, medical school and everything. I thought something, I thought, I think originally I thought that something happened where she couldn't afford medical school and she had to drop out because of money. Sure. Um, but then when you actually get her flashback, by the way, her flashback to when she was supposed to be like in medical school where they just like CGI'd her face and gave her a huge afro was hilarious because it looked, I was like, that she does not look like she's 20. I don't care how much CGI you put on her face. Um, so that part was at least amusing. Uh, Wait, but, so you think they, 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 they made her younger through CGI? Oh yeah, they absolutely did. Oh, okay. Well, because I, I, I was just like, dang, she looked good. They, you know, like I just, I did not go there right away. I don't know. I just thought she looked great. But go ahead. Yeah, that was absolutely CGI. They CGI'd her face. Yeah, no, the technology's there now. So I just, yeah, whatever. Yeah, I agree. Any, anyway, and I thought it was funny that that's. I was like, oh, that's pretty funny. Anyway, so when you actually get her full story, you're like, oh, that's even more impressive than I thought. And but I've just. Part of it is Abishola, I like her in general, but she just is so set in her ways and makes so many assumptions about, she makes assumptions about Bob, she makes assumptions about her friends, and I just like, and she does learn, but I'm just like, how long have you been here that you haven't learned some of this stuff? That's, I'm getting a little frustrated with her, that's all. Uh, Yusun, your thoughts? I'd be le- I'm less frustrated because, yeah, I mean, you, you brought it up that she is changing, but the change for you is slow. But what I really like is they couch it in her being Nigerian. So it isn't just like her being, you know, uppity or not uppity, but like really judgy. You know what I mean? Like, you know, and then um, so the conflict between her and the supervisor was layered be- because they are actually both black, but she is an immigrant and she's Nigerian. You know what I mean? So the whole show has been about how specifically. Yeah, I, I know. I just said that. No, no. I'm saying that I, I'm saying I'm less frustrated than you because they are uh, dealing with it and they're coming from a cultural place is what I'm saying. Like the, this, her, her, yeah, they're but trying they, to. I know, but they said that in the in the pilot, they established that Africans I, have. I, a... I'm just giving a counterpoint that I, it's not too slow for me. That's all. That's my point. You know what I mean? Like I, I'm saying that I I I'm appreciating the journey at the pace it's going because to me it was it it's been explained enough. It's just that, that I she it. she's known this woman for years. That's my thing. They're making it seem like she just met her. Um, I I I. I I do, but but they they address that as well because she she's held accountable for that because you know she, they don't want to have she doesn't want to have lunch with her anymore and you know I feel look I feel like it's a plot device for sure do you know what I mean and I can't disagree with you that it might be a little forced in the sense that um, would she really be that mean to somebody that she's only known but she's that mean to Bob and they're getting engaged I mean they're engaged <laughs> to be married. You know, they have sex and she's just as mean to him. You know what I mean? So in, in the same breath, I don't know that it's completely unrealistic. The The other thing that I wanted to say, though, and I, I think I mentioned it, even if I didn't, I really love the development of her growth because it isn't just about her being, you know, the sassy uh, helper or the this or the that. You know what I mean? Like she, you know, they're focusing on her professional aspirations, you know, and and, you know, all of that stuff. And mostly it's been about the relationship, which makes sense in the beginning. But this is season two, you know, midway or more. Um, and so she's growing in this way also. So and then the last thing, what, wasn't this the episode where the uncle comes over to help with the dishwasher? Yes. Right. And they challenge yes. his manhood. They challenge Bob's manhood. Yes. And so I will just end by saying, because I say this all the time, he is just fantastic the writing for him is fantastic he is so likable he comes in with those barbs but you don't care and so he came over to help bob fix the dishwasher and completely emasculated him and it's not he does it in such a way that you 
you like him for it. You're like, sure. Like, you know, like for me, um, he could have been a grumpy old uncle, right? It, the, the trope, I'm bringing it out for the first time in the podcast, you know, of him being um, not approving and being cranky, you know, a kind of an Archie Bunkery thing. But for him to be so lovable and so pro Bob is so refreshing and super fun to watch. All right, so we're saying thumbs up for Bob and Abishola. Uh, next up, we're going to talk about Big Shot, and by that I mean Tom is going to talk about Big Shot and why we should all be watching it. Go ahead, Tom. Aside from Libya, who does not is not a fan of David E. Kelly, uh, this is kind of a, a refreshing change of pace for him. Aside from the fact that he did write, uh, he was one of the writers on Miracle, the uh, the uh, the. 1980, the Olympic hockey team miracle on ice. Um, John Stamos is a is a former NCAA basketball coach who has a terrible temper. <laughs> yeah, John Stamos, right? Uh, go with me here. But he gets in big trouble, and the only job he can get is coaching at an all girls private school. Um, why I like it is not it's completely different from Mighty Ducks because it's an all girls team. Male coach, uh, Jocelyn Gilsig from uh, Heroes, and Lee plays the, the female assistant coach. So he's just learning how to be a better human being. Oh, and um, well, I can't think of her name. Shirley from um, Community is the principal. <laughs> Yvette Brown. And she, Yvette Nicole Brown, and she's always, always good. Uh, Michael Truco from Galactica recurs as the father of the star basketball player. But it's just why I like it. I think it's really interesting. And Disney Channel has always pretty much leaned in to female-friendly TV shows. But it's interesting to take a sport that's usually associated with guys, even though women's basketball is awesome. I grew up in uh, Norfolk, and the, the Lady Monarchs were a powerhouse in the late 70s. But it's just interesting to see this world and uh, to to see a team, you know, it's not really a mismatch, a, a team of misfits. It's they're not a they're not completely terrible team. They just need a great coach, which is why uh, Michael Truco's character pulled strings to get Stamos's character there. And episode three, which just dropped Friday, Coach's daughter is now living with him in California. So hilarity ensues. All right, so you're giving it a thumbs up. Yeah, it's very enjoyable. All right, uh, next up, we're going to talk about Young Sheldon. And this week's episode, Sheldon does uh, uh, the math calculations and figures out that he has a crush on his nemesis. Paige. Yes. (laughs) And so he starts off all jealous that they're trying to recruit her to the school he's going to. And then... He his sister's like, why are you so obsessed with her? What's going on? And she gives him like a little quiz from some Matt Gurley magazine, and he answers all the questions affirmative. Five out of five. He's got a crush. Uh, so, what did you think, Tom? Uh, you know, I, I'm a big Young Sheldon fan. I, it was a fun episode. Wendy adding Wendy Malick as as the president of the university was a catch because she's. Oh, she's pretty great. Oh, yeah, she's talking to him about how do you convince these people? She's like, I use their egos. <laughs> that was so crazy. So it's just one of the th- one of the assets of this show is aside from the primary cast, they've got a really great supporting cast, and we see them repeatedly. It's not just you know a one off. We see them again, and again, and again. So the town feels real. The university feels real, and. Um, yeah, just and the quiz with Missy. It's just they. This show got picked up for three more seasons, and I think I know. Well, I have a suspicion why because if you know Big Bang Theory, Sheldon's dad dies when he turns a certain age, and they've been kind of playing with time to not get there. Because if they decide to go there in the show, it is going to completely alter the chemistry of the show. That's true. But no, love the show. Thumbs up. Uh, I kind of wanted. I want. I kind of wanted them to date. <laughs> I sort of I, did I, I too like a little. Act, I like that actress, this is Sheldon. This is young Sheldon Peter. We know I how know, adult Sheldon. But I mean, I mean, we know Amy Farrah Fowler is basically his only real girlfriend. But like, I don't know. I mean, they're kids, and I do like the chemistry that the actors have. 
So when she was like, oh, I feel the same way, a part of me was like, wait, that can't be true. Like, uh, <laughs> but I was like, oh, maybe, like, maybe they'll go on a date and then, of course, it's just weird or something. But, yeah, I was kind of hoping they would do something with it. Again, because I, I like those two kids. So, You're but, great. yeah, it was a good episode. Well, I mean, and then, but I also thought she was a little cruel by drawing that little mustache. She's like, oh, I'm totally into you. And oh, she's like, we should kiss. And then she draws the mustache on him. I was like, oh, why? I think it's great that they give her agency and that she is she is a little devilish. <laughs> a little? that was, But that felt a little cruel to me. It would have been... It, okay, it really would have been cruel if he legit had a crush on her, which we all knew he really didn't. Um, but, yeah, I was like... I was a little disappointed by that part. I was like, oh... Sheldon, but he didn't actually get that upset, so it was less poor Sheldon. Alright, so let's wrap that up. We're giving it a thumbs up. Uh, next up, we're going to talk about the mayor of Easttown, and this is episode two, I believe. Uh, so you and Peter, go for it. Peter, why don't you start? Oh, okay. So, um, yeah, I thought this was a a, a pretty good, I mean, probably even, I mean, I thought the pilot was really good. So, but um, I, yeah, I mean, the show has continued to be the kind of thing where I think what is excellent about the show is, again, it's it's characters and how grounded the, the world is. Um, I don't, yeah, I don't really have any major complaints or anything. I, I will say this, like, I, I was... I'm sort of hoping, but I think it's impossible. I'm sort of hoping that this show, as far as the murder, can become something where they're dealing with some kind of serial killer, but maybe you could somewhat match it to what essentially is, man, a lot of the teens in this world are like sociopaths. And I was just like, oh my God. Like, normally in a show like this, I'd be like, well, okay. It's probably a middle-aged white guy that's the serial killer because that's statistically what they are. But they have presented so many of the teenagers, I mean, except for, like, Mare's daughter and stuff, a lot of them are pretty awful that I was like, huh, what if it really is one of the kids? I'm like, we're, I think we're just supposed to assume it's an adult. If they can somehow do that, I'll be pretty impressed, uh, which is why the end of the episode which seems to be implicating the actor from The Office, is obviously a red herring because you're not going to tell us who the killer is in the second episode. But it is a big deal for Mare to realize that it looks like her ex-husband got the girl who's dead pregnant, like, who's a high school kid. Like, that's pretty huge. Um, but I, my favorite part of the episode, though, was honestly, I loved bringing the kids in. I loved seeing... That the uh, that terrible girl being taken in at the restaurant and oh, that was awesome. I thought that was great, and I thought you you can and I thought they did a great job of showing that girl is such a bully, and then you see her father who is just as bad. Even though even though there can I... be a point, there can be a point as the father to be like, look, of course you're worried about your daughter. Like I get it, but he's pretty terrible. Like you don't throw. The, you don't throw a detect. You don't throw milk through someone's window. I was just like, oh come on, man. Police like, detective's window, right? Yeah, <laughs> like, yeah. How stupid awful. can you be? I mean, one of my favorite parts of the episode, the uh, Evan Peters from Wonder, fantastic edition, and finally playing an adult role. Yeah, of- that's true. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, yeah. Because he's like, he's either late twenties or early thirties, but he's he's all grown up playing a, a detective. And I love the fact that Mayor kind of freezes him out, and he's just so earnest, and she's not. <laughs> yeah, so. I love that too. I, 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 I hope to. Yeah, I'm, I'm curious to see where that's going to go as, as the classic, you know, det- two detectives, but from different, different backgrounds and different. This match buddy cops. <laughs> yeah, um, but uh, yeah, I, I've, I, you know, I told Libya about this. Is that like I thought. The pilot, I thought the pilot was 80% great, and then I thought 20%, I was like, it's it's good, it's just, I just don't know how many variations on the, you know, Twin Peaks murder in a small town thing. 
But I got to say, like, I mean, it's still really good. So I'm still invested. Yeah, it's um, the oh, and I love when she shows up for her for for the professor's event and he totally oh, right. <laughs> it's like, dude, that is that is going to get you in big trouble. Not, you know, so take your little fan club aside and bring your bring your wannabe woman into the mix. So you guys saying thumbs up, right? Oh yeah. oh, yeah. Yeah. All right. Winslet is amazing. <laughs> uh, next up, we're going to talk about Yasuke, which is an animated show about the first ever black samurai named Yasuke. And I'm mixed on it in that Yasuke is a real person, but this animated series has magic and spells and crazy creatures and werewolves. And if you watch it and don't realize Yasuke is a real person, you're never going to get that impression by watching this show. So that's why I'm kind of split because I want to hear the real story of this character. They kind of give you some of it. So basically the premise is that it's during feudal Japan where you have a bunch of warlords trying to unify Japan and Yasuke goes from being a servant to being a full-blown samurai, which is pretty much the highest rank you can be other than... It's like being a knight in England, I guess. So it's a pretty high rank. Sure. And, of course, he has to deal with all this, you know, weird racism stuff, but especially when he first becomes a samurai. So some of that stuff is interesting, but the premise of the story is really about him protecting this little girl who gets these powers and nobody understands them, but everybody wants to kidnap her and use her for their own goals. So, uh, Yusin, what did you think? I I liked it, for sure. I don't think that I liked it. I haven't heard exactly, you know, how much you like it. I don't think I liked it as much as you. Um, I, I want to piggyback on the stuff that you said, because I think it's important. I agree with you. I, I would have been really lovely if, and they could have easily folded it into the show, you know, the lore. It wouldn't have been weird if they had said something very briefly about this man existing in real life, right? Be- because the show takes place 20 years after what we know is historically correct. And historically, we do not know what happened to Yus- Yusuke. So it, w- it could have been really easy for them to kind of tell us you know uh, not, I don't mean that they had to tell us anything because like you said they do allude to it with through flashback but it kind of would have been awesome if they said that this man had really existed right and that um, we don't actually 100% know because they have no record of his actual death if, so um, we don't know exactly what happened to him after this period but here is what we think might have happened wink 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 and that way it would have definitely separated that like the stuff you're seeing now is magical and mystical and that wasn't necessarily you know what what happened in the area that we do know, but wink, wink, we don't know what happened now. So maybe once he left service, you know, there, you know, he did actually come across, you know, magical beings and this, like to me, it would have killed two birds with one stone. And I do think it's actually really important. The concept, or I'm sorry, the, the facts are, the, I did not know there was a black samurai, let alone the first black samurai. So I definitely just went and I was like, I want to read about this guy. Um, and it's incredibly fascinating. And so, yeah, they missed they missed an opportunity. Um, as far as the show is concerned, it would, took me a little bit of time to get into it. I mean, for anime people, this will be more meaningful. But um, I was a I was a big fan of Boondocks, the actual comic strip. I followed it, and then they made a TV show out of it, and I thought it was excellent, both in writing and it it preserved the look and feel of the comic strip. Um, so I thought it was just top notch, and and I was disappointed and sad when they canceled it. Um, uh, what's the point? Uh, so anyway, so this looks a little bit like it, or kind of a lot like it, but then it doesn't. It it, it kind of reminded me of um, the director. What is he? Um, Miyazaki, you know, the Princess Minoki and Spirited Away, uh, which also I'm a fan of. So it was a little weird for me to kind of take in. And this is not a racist thing. This is not a whatever. But for reals, I was very confused in the beginning. Like I said, I had to absorb what I was watching visually first uh, because I knew the story. Uh, after having read about it, um, I uh, like the Asian people don't look Asian, you know. And I know enough anime that I know that in Japanese anime they. That's a thing. 
I mean, they don't really make the, you know, the, the characters, you know, when it's produced in Japan and, and whatever. So I get it. You know, they're very rounded eyes, but it was confusing. The reason I bring it up is I was like, wait, where are they? Is this a mystical place? Like, I was like, Does, is this not real Japan? Like, what's happening? Why, why is not everyone Asian? So that was a little, like I said, I had to get used to it. As far as the story is concerned, um, I, I will say that it has a lot of potential. I'm excited to watch it. I didn't love the pilot. And part of it also is because I know he's supposed to be grumpy, disgruntled, post-PTSD, you know, you know, warrior. Um, but I, I found him kind of like, unlikable is too strong of a word, but I, I found it a little cliche. And uh, because again, this is a reimagined. We don't know if he was like this in real life. I can understand that he's, you know, all grumbly. Um, but, you know, and the story of rescuing or delivering a girl, a special girl, protecting her, deliver all of that, that is so has been done. And because this is make-believe, they could have make-believed anything, you know what I mean? So I'm not super excited about that either. But I, but you know, so, but it is very interesting, the story. Uh, I, the animation, once I got used to it, I was kind of like, oh, you know, okay, it's beautiful. The background stuff is amazing. I, there was like one, one scene where they did the water and I was like, did they superimpose like actual live action water? Like it's, it's in its own way, very stunning. Um, so yeah, no, I'm excited about it. Last thing I will say is I'm a fan of Lakeith, I don't remember his last name, the actor in real life. I saw that, like, sorry, brother or something, whatever. That was sorry to bother you, sorry to bother you. Um, you know, which is a weird, wacky film, but because of his acting, I bought into it and I liked it. I do not like him as the voiceover, I feel he's too like laconic, like, I just it's like he's too chill, and so his gruffness doesn't come out as gruffness, it's like disinterest. So I found that a little weird. So maybe as I watch the show more, because I'm fully committed to watching it, um, I think it has a lot of potential, but it wasn't like knock out of the you know park you know coming out of the gates amazing but right. you know I'm happy. <laughs> all right uh next up well I, I was gonna say i did enjoy it more than you and i've watched the first four episodes so yes but maybe, maybe i'll be and, there and too it, yeah and it'll it gets better he falls out of his actually the thing that's funny is before i looked up who the voice was i thought it was jason momoa um, oh. and i was like is that jason momoa and so i had to look it up and i was like oh it's not and i was like wow they sound alike that's so weird. Anyway, but let's move on. Uh, next up, we're going to talk about the Mighty Ducks, and this was the reunion episode. So you get the only problem with this is I haven't seen Mighty Ducks since it was originally in the movie theaters. So I don't remember any of these people. I don't remember the story. I was like, huh? Oh, you remember the dude from Daredevil who played Foggy? Yeah, yeah, I know the actor, but I'm saying. All the stuff that they were referencing, because they had all these Mighty Duck references happening, and I didn't get any of them. Well, you're supposed to rewatch it on Disney Plus before. You... <laughs> I kind of almost did come. Now, I mean, not watch it, but kind of almost wanted to watch it for real. So you're not far off. I legit was like, oh, maybe I'll watch it again. <laughs> yeah, because I was like, who are these people? And then they got married, and they have how many kids, and what? Uh, so, Tom, what did you think? I thought it was fun. I I didn't have any doubts that the son was going to refuse a position on... Well, then we'd have no show, right? Yeah, but I was surprised that everybody was all mad at him. I mean, that just felt like CW angsty drama, you know. That he got but... offered the position? Because he turns it down. Yeah, yeah. That is the... well, because the video... Remember at the end of the episode, the video shows up and everybody's... You know, the don't bothers are all mad at him because he didn't tell them. Oh, okay. So, but uh, with a D. But no, I th I thought they did a pretty good job balancing. You know what's going on in the present, the present day through line with the little ducks reunion, and I guess they picked like six six of the more popular actors characters from the movies. Uh, uh, Marguerite Moreau, who's done tons of stuff. Since who's then. the Charlie guy that didn't show up? Who was that? I'm not sure off the top of my head. Okay, so they're like, Charlie didn't show up because he thought you were about you. And I was like, are they just not able to cast that guy? Is he dead? Like, what's no, going I laughed because I was like, maybe he can't even as an adult, like, stand on stage. I was like, legit, like, oh, they chose all the actors as adults who can actually stand up on stage. Because some people legit <laughs> can't stand. 
for real. Like they can't, and I thought, well, they're not going to train for like, you know, a five minute scene or whatever. So I laughed. I thought they went through like a casting list. It was like, call them and see if they can stand on skates. You know what I mean? Because I really was like, oh, what if you can't skate at all? That would be completely horribly unconvincing. Oh, I, um, I, I figured it was, they couldn't get whoever it was. That's what I was thinking. I, I, I yeah, am. No, I, I'm sure there was that. Over Lauren Graham's boss. Uh, you know? Just, um, she's a mustache twirler. But also a Karen. So I kind of feel like it's believable because they, people like that do exist in the world, unfortunately. Um, but no, I agree with you, Tom. They, they, they better be doing... They better have some a moment in episode 10 where she gets her comeuppance. Because she's yeah. so annoying. So annoying. And and yes, it would be super satisfying. I just want to say that I thought this was one of the more fun episodes. I think we've all discussed ad nauseum that this is not in any way a serious or particularly good show. Um, it's lighthearted. I laughed because when there was the whole like, which te- his moral dilemma, you know what I mean? And I was like, oh, this is as serious as this show is going to get. Um, but I have to disagree really quickly that I thought that um, the, the betrayal and all of that stuff, these are sensitive kids. These are kids yeah. who are always, you know, outsiders and very, very sensitive. And, you know, they've even shown us the scenes where like, oh, I can't even talk to the other person, you know. So the fact that he would actually go to the trouble of going to the traders, you know, practice camp and stuff, I actually thought that was the most believable aspect of the whole thing. And then the last thing I want to say is uh, for just nostalgia's sake, <clears throat> excuse me, um, you know, like I said, I wasn't feeling nostalgic enough to almost be like, maybe I'll look up the movie. Um, I just thought it was sweet. It's a cute combination. I mean, we we knew it was going to happen at some point. Um, and when they talked about it uh, and they came back, I legit was like, ooh, are they going to put them on the ice? You know, and when they like marched out, I did have like these feelings of just like, oh, so the sh- I think the show is hitting the marks it's supposed to. You know what I mean? Which is, I think, the most you can say about the show. <laughs> All right. Well, let's wrap this up. So we're giving it a thumbs up, right? Sure. Sure. All right. Next up, we're going to talk about Shadow and Bone and we're going to talk about episode three and four. And let's start off with episode three. Oh, someone help me out. What happens in episode three? I, I've only seen three, so I'll have to... I'll have to Go ahead. Here. Lead the way. Lead the way. For four. Three is essentially what I sort of wanted the show to become, which is essentially she gets to, you know, the, la- the end of the second episode, she is in shock when she basically now has an amazing life, which I'm like tiniest violins for um but whatever man she's still a prisoner episode in the third episode she finally it's not that she embraces it but she finally kind of sort of gets the bigger picture of what's going on and we start to see her training and stuff so i was like yeah i was very much on board with that i was like oh this is great i was like this is this is what i wanted um so i very much was enjoying all that i you know i'm i'm i am curious as and you know i mean obviously I know Allison for, oh, I think Allison in Yusan finished this first season. But I am wondering if the entire first season is basically about her going from a person who only knew, who only cared about one person, you know, which is Mal, and that that's basically the only world she had, that by the end of the first season, she's going to see how much, you know, more important it is to not just think of that, to think about, you know everything about you know the world and good and bad and everything it's and not so, just and, and, I, I think the thing is the, a hero. but but i also think peter you're also forgetting the fact that yes she's used to be just thinking about herself and mal but also the pressure that they're putting on a teenager is that you have the responsibility to save the world and everything is on you that's not easy for anybody. It's not. It's absolutely not. And i So I'm, i mean you you're criticizing her and i was like you would react the same way. If someone I'm was not... like, the fate of the entire world is yeah, on your she, shoulders. She wasn't as insolent as Miss Warrior Nun, so who cares? Like, you know what I mean? Like, nobody was more, you know, cranky no. about saving the world. So. Wait, wait, wait. No, Warrior Nun liked having her powers. What are you talking no, about? No, she didn't. She liked her powers, but she didn't want to save the world yeah. at all. She was, was super like, selfish. I'm fine. I'm fine with that. I want to see her more embrace, at least more embracing what she's becoming i understand just what you're saying about i understand what you're saying about the, just wait, I understand what you're saying about the bigger picture of stuff i'm i'm okay with that that's why i said i'm, I'm okay if that takes a season i i i get that yeah. what i'm what i yeah. want more is is i want the enthusiasm of like oh my god you know i've thought 
my life was one thing. Why would she be enthusiastic? There's no reason to be enthusiastic about the responsibility of the world is on your shoulders. There's no enthusiasm for that. I think we're talking about, I'm, I guess I'm taking this in two different paths. I agree with you that the, the burden of saving the, the world of Rothka is very big. I totally understand what you're saying with that. However, on the other end, knowing that you now have power and what does that mean? What does that mean to like get to know Grisha's who she doesn't really know? That can be exciting. Like, and that's all I'm saying. Except that all the Grishas that she's met have all lied to her and they've all no, been trying to manipulate her. Oh, wait, wait. Sorority or fraternity or whatever. I don't, I, let me say this. And this is 100% spoiler free. This is 100% spoiler okay. free. Because, you know, um, I always say this. Like, you know, oh, let's see what, how they develop in this and that. But so this is spoiler free. I'm not giving anything away. We said this last week. It's not like she's Spider-Man and she's got like a million different cool things. She can create a sunball. Do you know like what I mean? that's it. Yeah. That's no, that's it. not true. No, it is no. true. It's a hundred percent true. Lydia told me off podcast that the one that I like, the yes. hunky guy, yes. I thought what we learned in the third episode when she goes to the library is that yes, her base power is the sunlight thing. Absolutely. However, as she gets better, she can yeah. basically be what that guy, that guy ripped, remember that guy cut the oh, bad yes, guys? Yes, like, she yes, can, she she'll be able to do that. To she could turn her sunlight, but it's still, the, it's just sunlight. Like, yes, yeah, she can do different things with it, but not really. Like, Yeah, she can't only, fly. She's not invisible. Yes, no, no, listen, you're not wrong. Instead of just making a ball of sunlight, she can turn it into a weapon probably, right? Yeah, with a lot of cool. this and this and that. But it's all still sun-based. It isn't like I can, you know, I can fly, I can climb on walls, I have super strength. I, these sure, are all sure. the right, right. powers. So it's just sun. What can I do with sun? So sure, that might be interesting to see, and also kind of inter like writing wise, creatively, like what what are the all the different things you can do with a ball of light? You know what I mean? So like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that could be interesting. A concentration of light. Yeah, I mean, what? I'm assuming it's going to be a laser. That's what I'm assuming. Yeah, but, but you are thinking, again, no spoilers, because this is, I had the same journey, so at episode three, no spoilers, but but you just need to, but that could be part of the journey, like, does she, you know, is there a way to, like, harness it in a different way? Like, I think you're thinking very super, superhero kind of movie. Yeah, like, and this laser. is not a superhero show. I would never have thought, like, oh, maybe it can be a laser. I don't know. I just didn't go there is what I'm saying. This, this to me, is more, you know, steampunky, old-worldy kind of whatever. I, I think that if she were able to kind of – like, even the sword is still very kind of within time frame. You know what I mean? Like, you know, they're fighting with swords. She's not, you know, pew, 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 pew with, like, can laser guns. Can I ask you guys a question, and then I'll let you guys talk about um, everything else. I'm, I'm sort of of the mindset – that this might have been better if Mal had died. And the reason the reason I say that is that Mal is the thing that she keeps holding on to. If Mal had died on on the ship in the pilot, you know, she her her power goes off, but for some reason his wounds were so terrible and he still died, you would have severed that. And I actually think that might have been an interesting except thing. That, the except like, that they deal with that. They literally deal with that in the very next episode, Peter. <laughs> Wait, they kill him in the next episode? I didn't say they kill him, but they do yes, what they you're saying. Yes, they, they do what you're issue. saying in the very yeah. next episode. Oh, okay. Well, that's interesting. Okay. Well, that's cool. First of all, no spoilers. Maybe he dies. You know, like, you know, like, you know, like no spoilers. Maybe well, but Tom, Tom's trying to say something. Go ahead, Tom. Yeah, I, I texted Allison as, as I was starting last week, and I said, I don't care how dashing Ben Bars looks, I trust him not. And she texted back, good call. Though personally, <laughs> one night. Personally, yeah, personally what? Wait, 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 Tom, I'm, I hear, missed what you said. Though personally, Allison texted back, though personally, I'd only need to trust him for one night. Oh, no! <laughs> <laughs> Which is pretty much what happens in episode four. Hey guys, hey. Okay, well we are talking about four, but okay. So, so Peter, if you want to mute, now's the time. We're gonna talk about four. And yeah. my issue with four is that Ben Barnes and whoever the Grisha are basically lying to our girl. What is her name? 
Star Star Love Star Grove something um, Star Love. But um, they're basically like she's writing letters to Mal and he's writing letters to her and and no one's getting the letters and you realize it's because they want to sever her bond to Mal. And they want her to believe that he either A, is dead, or B, no longer cares about her. What'd you say? Exactly. What'd you say? Or doesn't care. Or doesn't care, right. They want her to believe he doesn't care anymore, or that he's dead, so that it'll sever the bond. But what it makes me feel is that the Grisha are a bunch of liars. All of them are lying. For the most part, they're either trying to manipulate their way higher up the, the hierarchy, or they're lying to her and trying to use her. And so, yes... Peter's talking about, well, she hasn't been exposed to the Grisha. I was like, they seem terrible. So, um, yeah, exactly. And so I'm like, I don't see the point. Her her other life, at least she could trust the people that she was with. I think that's the whole point of the episode. Like, that's why I didn't want to say anything to Peter. But because, like, because he was like, oh, I want them to explore. First of all, it, they're not all terrible. She's got those two friends, you know. Well, but are friends. they friends? They feel like. They feel like, oh, she's the next new powerful person. Let's get in at the ground floor. I didn't get that. I I feel like I'm not as upset as you because I fully expected her, her whole experience. I predicted, do you know what I mean? That she would have that uh, handmade, like I knew immediately, I was like, I don't know if we can trust her. You know what I mean? And um, I knew, I I, I told you, I told you off podcast that when they had that conversation at the fountain this is not a spoiler it's in episode four uh, when they had that um conversation where he tries to really get her to be empathize with him and his backstory and this and that i thought oh that is some serious manipulation going on it's at that moment that i fully suspected 92 percent. i was like yeah he's a baddie this isn't all this none of this is real you know what i mean the the, the heart wrenching stuff or the heartfelt stuff so so i think the show i was not like mad or angry about it because i fully suspected that they would not embrace her i fully suspected that they were going to try to keep sever her ties i fully expected that most of them were going to be liars that is why in contrast i do believe the other two i i thought they were just genuinely kind of sweet and accepting as a foil to this whole experience i mean for me as a viewer i would want that i wouldn't want her to feel so trapped we have to kind of go on that journey with her where she's a little bit torn she wants to lean into this and that will bring me right into the thing that I, I've been really holding my breath about you and I discussing Libya is that you from the get-go again I don't know if you discussed this on the podcast but we certainly talked about it off podcast that Ben Barnes being set up as a the other leg of a triangle love triangle makes you feel incredibly uneasy because you know you know in theory or in macro he's her boss but not i mean he's the boss of everybody like anyway i don't want to get into that i don't get bogged down to that but that you know they're setting up a a love interest kind of a thing and that it's kind of squealy because squeeny whatever because um you know he's so much older than her although i don't want to get into an argument on podcasts about exactly how much older in the series he's supposed to be and exactly how young she's supposed to be but i will give it to you that it does seem a little like but and i wondered i really wondered how they were going to get over that like or how they were going to push through that kind of you know i think everyone's sensibilities are a little different so clearly i i've talked to people who don't have an issue with that at all but i agreed with you i was like nah i don't know about that then he totally comes off as a predator in that scene because he yes. he makes a move on her yes. and she has to rebuff him. I agree. I agree. But but even in that scene though, yes, she walks away, but he also doesn't push fully because he, like you say, but he, like he's, I said, grooming, he's grooming her, he's so he pushes her enough to put that in her head. Yes. yes, that's. I was going to agree with you. That's why I'm saying I do actually agree with you. He didn't. He just grabbed her face. But yes, in that scene, you would definitely. I would have to agree with you. The, but I, I'm saying he gets props for not doing anything. But that's because it seems like he's grooming her. Otherwise, it wouldn't be grooming. You know what I mean? You gotta dole it out. You know, in small in small things. Or so that's not but really anyway, getting around sensibility. That's making it creepier. Tom hasn't spoken yet. Go ahead, Tom. Go ahead. Go go go. Did we did we skip over the part where she's presented to the king and queen? Was that that happened in episode two? No, it wasn't in two. I think it was in three. It was in two, three. Whatever. Yeah, it happened. No, but the the reason I bring it up is because I think it's interesting that the king and queen air quotes have all these ridiculously people, powerful people working for them. It's like, yeah, how long is that gonna last? Well, it's been lasting for a while, hundreds of years, actually. Mm. 
And that was the whole reason why the rift got created in the first place was because the king at the time thought that his highest uh, Grisha guy was going to rebel and try to do a coup. So he did a coup first and tried to kill him. And so in response, that guy created this big rift of darkness. And that was in response to a supposed coup, which may or may not have happened. Well, but you wonder, could that be possibly the goal if she's able to get rid of the rift? Oh, probably, because that's what that that guy's not a good guy, and he's always right. thinking about power for himself. So, sure, that could be right. after that she gets rid get rid of the rift. It's now I'm the most powerful person, and he wants that's why he wants them together to join their power and for her to be under his power. So thrall. that say say again, I said thrall. There you go. Um, but thumbs up for Shadow and Bone. It's been yeah. it's been great. And so now I can watch two more episodes. Yay. Friends died. Heartbreaking Uh, has died. uh, And then uh, next up, we're going to talk about Invincible, the series, the series, not series, season, because it just got renewed, season finale. And holy crap, the show is bloody before. Eight. The show was bloody before, but they were like, hold my beer. Like... (laughs) This episode was not only was it super bloody, but it was fairly traumatic. I was like, man, he's going to have so much PTSD after this episode. Therapy. Yes, he's going to definitely therapy. How awful was it for the conversation between uh, between father and son about mom? Oh, she overheard it? Yeah. Or like a pet. Oh, yeah, that was not good. That was not good at all. The dad was just, it was, it's, I just rewatched the pilot with Yusin yesterday, and he seemed like such a great dad, but now in like seeing it through the lens of the finale, you're like, wow. Like everything he said he meant, but not the way you thought he meant it. Yep. And uh, just, he beat his son to a pulp. Ooh. A pulp, and he was like, "I can make another one." He was like, "If you're not gonna comply and be the son that I need, I'll just make another one." And I was like, "Holy crap!" Yeah, that was. And then we took him through the train. That was so. That was so disturbing. Like he pushed him through this train, and and everyone in the train got slaughtered. Oh man! I, I, oh, it was just too much. Or saving the pilot who ejects. Oh, right. I knew he was going to kill. As soon as he landed behind him, I was like, oh, he's dead. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But still, the way he did it, it's just... I'm still... You know, I might... Considering that Dad, it doesn't look like we'll be around much of season two. At least not for starters. Well, I think, like they said, Villamites don't give up. So he's definitely coming back. Viltramites, right. He's definitely coming back. And so the question is... Is Invincible or Mark going to be ready when he comes back? That's really the question. But uh, the uh, the scene where I, I was I was glad the girlfriend reconciled because I thought it was really lame that how she, she broke she, up because you didn't tell me, but I already knew. It's like really, really, You're yeah. Gonna, uh, I feel for mom though. Oh, man. oh yeah. Jeez, yeah. Sandra, oh, Sandra O oh makes you gives you gives you the goods even when she's animated. <laughs> well, I mean, you really she was trying to be strong for her son, but mm-hmm. it it was it it really kind of destroyed her. She spent what twenty years with this guy, having yep. no idea who he was, uh, and hearing him speak the truth, but. To be fair, I actually think he sort of lied also because he keeps claiming he didn't feel anything for his wife, but he did. I think he, he did. And he, and, he, and he didn't kill the costume guy either. Right. So he actually has a little more humanity than he'd like to admit. So, yeah. Um, this was fan- It was a fantastic finale, though. It was really, and I like the bit at the end when he's talking to that guy on the rock on the moon, and he's yeah. like giving him like the lowdown of what happened, and he's like, "Well, what are you gonna do now?" And he's like, 
maybe finish high school. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, really? Okay. That's not what I thought. This is where this is going. Uh, but I'm excited about the next couple seasons. I think it's... Uh, and I Oh, and I like that the immortal, they're going to bring him back again. Because, oh, yeah. you know, he's immortal. Hard to keep an immortal down. Well, you still got to put the pieces back together, but yes. I don't know how that works, but... <laughs> all right, so that's so, all I got to say. Go ahead, Tom. Is the, is the boy going to be crawling inside the robot for combat things? That's what it looks like, yeah. So it's, he's like Iron Man now. Okay. Even oh, though we, that, we... that plot line's a little creepy, too. Yes, he had to make himself a human body so he could hit on a girl who's really not a girl... But he's not really the same age either. He just made himself look like her age. But every time she turns into Monster Girl, she actually gets younger. So I don't know how he's going to deal with that. Yeah, seriously. Yeah, so it's bad. It's bad anyway. And I actually feel bad for the other dude who's like, dude, you cloned my body? Like, Rex exploded. <laughs> he was like, dude, you cloned my body? What? Why? You didn't ask my permission? Like, all of that. That's That's problematic. All of that's problematic. So he doesn't seem like the kind that would ask permission. No, but and, and what surprises me is why didn't he get another body sooner? Like he could have. It, it feels like he was smart enough to have done this at an earlier date, but he was only motivated to do it when he fell in love with this girl. Probably why. Hmm. All right, so let's wrap this up. I'm giving it a thumbs up. You as well, right? Severed thumbs, but thumbs nonetheless. Severed. <laughs> that is appropriate for this show. All right. If you guys have any questions or comments, send them to tvcampfire@gmail.com. Follow us on Twitter and on SciFi.radio. We now listen on iTunes, and we'll talk to you guys next time. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Bye bye. Bye.